0: Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 121. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Stephanie Safarian, a fellow minimalist podcast host about sustainable minimalism. We totally geek out on our shared joy of living fuller lives with less stuff, and there are some really authentic moments that I think you'll love. It's all about growth and finding the best path for you and your family, and knowing that we might not be perfect, but we're willing to do it anyway. Well, hello, hello, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this is your first time here, well, welcome to the show. I am honored to have you and I hope that you enjoy what you hear and you come back for more. Today, I am excited to bring you my conversation with another minimalist mama. It's been a while since I chatted with somebody else purely in the minimalist space and it was a lot of fun, but I'm going to tell you, I was a little nervous before we chatted. Like everyone, I have my own insecurities and I found myself in the space of asking, you know, if I was minimalist enough to host this conversation? Well, thankfully, it turned out to be all in my own head. And spoiler alert, there is no enough or not enough anything. We are all enough because we exist. And you'll hear that Stephanie is a lovely person and we clicked almost immediately. So my concerns were completely unwarranted, of course. I loved our conversation, and I related to so much of what she shared. Now I just need to book a trip out to the East Coast so we can be friends in real life. All right, so who is this amazing guest? Well, today I am speaking with Stephanie Safarian, a former teacher turned full-time podcast host of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. She's also the author of the nonfiction book Sustainable Minimalism and is an avid distance runner and lover of fiction. Stephanie lives just outside of Boston with her two daughters, a yellow Labrador retriever, 10,000-ish bees, and a husband who loves to compost almost as much as she. So give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 121 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Stephanie's website and her book. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 121. And now let's get on to our conversation. Well, hi Stephanie, welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist show. How are you doing today? I'm so great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. This is going to be really fun. It has been a while since I have had another minimalist on the show. And when I say that, I mean like that focuses on minimalism, you know, and sharing their minimalist message. So, I am really excited about it. So, why don't you tell us about yourself and what
1: led you to becoming a minimalist? Sure. My name is Stephanie Safarian. I am the host of the Sustainable Minimalists podcast. I'm also the author of a book by the same name, Sustainable Minimalism. I started my show about four-ish years ago as a passion project. I had found minimalism, or rather minimalism, I guess, found me. (laughs) And I wanted to share the benefits that I experienced pretty quickly with the rest of the world. And so I never looked back. I've been podcasting ever since, and I love every second of it. I would say I was a pretty unconscious consumer for most of my life. I never really thought about stuff or the implications of overconsumption, but that all changed when I had my first child. I, My husband and I, and we had three pets at the time. We were living in a tiny apartment in Boston. And we had lived there very happily until the baby came along. And because for any parents listening with the baby comes all the stuff. And when I say she had dozens, if not maybe even a hundred really infant dresses. I wouldn't be exaggerating. The toys, the gear, you know, I have loving and wonderful friends and family and they just gifted and gifted and gifted some more, which is so lovely and so nice. And I'm thankful <laughs> that they loved me so much to buy me so much stuff or buy my baby so much stuff. But yeah. I, we were squeezed out of our apartment. I spent so much time, effort, and energy trying to find places to store all the stuff. I My anxiety skyrocketed with regard to the fact that, first of all, I had to keep a baby alive. So that was really hard as a new mother. But like, I didn't have any free time. And the free time that I did have was spent like trying to keep the household in order. And so I decided, well, let's be smart about this. Let's work smarter, not harder. And let's get rid of the non-essentials. Like she's an infant. Infants wear zip up onesies. They do not wear frilly dresses. So let's pass along some of the stuff. And it was very easy to deal with my infant stuff. It's much harder, of course, to deal with your own stuff. But I started with my baby stuff. And it was a profound come to Jesus moment. When I literally, quite literally, was standing over a pile of stuff that was in our home, gigantic pile that we didn't want, didn't use, didn't need, didn't love. People shouldn't have wasted their money on it. And it was just an oh my gosh moment of I I had so many thoughts going through my head. One was, you know, I am a cog on the consumerist wheel. That was thought one. Thought two was, where is all this going to go? Three was, you know, what are we doing to the planet when we just keep buying more and more stuff that doesn't add to our lives and ultimately detracts from it? So that's a really long story, but that's the story. (laughs) No, it's great. I love it. And those backstories are really
0: helpful because I think it helps people understand that if they're feeling that way, they're not alone. And you know, it is interesting how much stuff we are told we need, right? I mean, all those marketing messages are constantly bombarding us. And it's so interesting with how little your child actually needs. And it's not just at the beginning, it's later on. And which means it's how much, how much less we all need. And so let's keep going down that path there. And I think there's a lot of different terms and definitions when it comes to minimalism. There's all different ways people get into it. There's all different ways that people think about it and what's most important to them. And you talk a lot about eco-minimalism. So let's dive into that a a bit. What does that mean to you? And how did you kind of get to that part?
1: Right. So- As I went down my minimalist journey, so to speak, I found that all, if not most, if not all of the influencers were talking about aesthetics and like having a clean home and less housework and, you know, less stress, right? Clean lines, white furniture, nothing on the counters. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. But I felt that those conversations were really missing the point. Like aesthetics are nice, but there's another very powerful benefit to minimalist living, living with less. And that is that jumping off that consumerist bandwagon, intentionally choosing to buy less stuff, that is an inherently eco-friendly practice. And so I started my podcast, my platform to examine that space in which eco-friendly living and minimalism combined. I should say like, Again, I mentioned the minimalist groups. I felt like they were falling short on that message. But then also the zero waste groups or the, I don't know, gung ho environmentalist influencers out there, they were just too far on that spectrum, on that side of the spectrum for me. So, so I wanted to merge both lifestyles, so to speak, in a place that was, you know, not so preachy, not so about aesthetics and not also so about like <laughs> zero waste living. And so that's what sustainable minimalism is to me. <laughs> oh, I get that. I, I totally get that to like,
0: yes, when things are super extreme, I'm not very good at that. I can't really, I have a hard time being, my pendulum swings really both ways. Like I can do something really extreme, like, sell everything and travel. And then it kind of goes back the other way. And then I'm like buying too much stuff and I'm like, okay, wait. And so, yeah, for me, it's been kind of finding that middle, middle ground, which sounds really kind of where you've, what you've been striving to do as well. Is there one moment where you, or like one example of something that feels like that middle ground to you, or maybe one aha moment you had where you were like, okay, this is, this is what I mean when I'm talking about this kind of a thing.
1: Good question. Let me think about that. Like, yeah. Well, a great example would be the inherent pull of these two lifestyles, right? Mm -hmm. Like a minimalist theoretically would want to get rid of everything (laughs) or everything that doesn't have value or use or is aesthetically pleasing. Whereas somebody on the other side of the spectrum, an environmentalist, a zero-waster, they would want to theoretically keep everything because they wouldn't want stuff to go to waste. And so I say it's not either or. There is a middle ground and the middle ground's where I live and it's a great place. So come on over. <laughs> it's a place where, yes, we do keep and repurpose glass jars, let's say. That's an eco-friendly habit. But I'm not going to keep every single glass jar in existence that passes through my house. You can minimize the excess and repurpose jars. Like it doesn't have to be either or. I hope that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like you just are a little bit more conscientious about what comes in in the first place so that you're not having to declutter as much. So you're not having, you know, you're kind of satisfying that minimalism on the front end where you're bringing less in to begin with. And then the eco side where since you didn't bring as much in, there's not as much to let go of. And so you're not wasting as much as well. Did I get that?
1: Yep, you got it. Perfect. Okay.
0: Perfect. <laughs> okay, great. So, let's talk about wanting to be a minimalist and being clutter-free because I think it has a lot of challenges and knowing that you have children, I think you have two children, right? Yes. How were you able to manage, you know, those challenges in your everyday routine? So, once you kind of purged from that first baby stage with the frilly clothes, what did you do then to make sure it didn't pile up or if it did pile up how do you deal with all of that current influx that continues to come in you know how life doesn't stick to a schedule well why should your paycheck that's where earn in comes in it's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it not just on payday imagine this your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist asap we've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress with earn in you can pull up to hundred dollars per day or up to 750 dollars each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates it's super simple download the EarnIn app verify your paycheck and get access to your earnings as you earn them you decide what to tip and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday more than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the EarnIn app, type in clutter under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's clutter under podcast. EarnIn is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
1: Okay. So yeah, I get asked this question all the time. And and I think people assume that my house is clutter-free because I am a sustainable minimalist. That is not true. The clutter, staying on top of the clutter, whether you're a mom, whether you're not, whether you're single, whether you have a partner, like clutter happens. Life is messy. <laughs> yeah, Living is messy. And so I think the question, I mean, yes, declutter first, sure. But the question is about staying on top of it by creating systems and and routines in your home to prevent messes, which we all have, from becoming unmanageable messes. So with my kids, I would say they have less toys like than other kids their age in our community. I would say they have less clothes. I would say that less is really step one. Like when you have less stuff, you have less to maintain, less to clean. Like it, it that is 100% true. So less is step one. Step two w- with children specifically is trying to instill in them the the value or the, I guess the reality that in this home, we do things differently. I say that to my children all the time. My eight-year-old is really starting to push back her new thing. Her best friend has an Alexa and she really wants an Alexa. I don't even know if she knows really what an Alexa is other than like the Amazon, like, Hey Alexa
0: thing. Okay.
1: I was wondering if I didn't know like a new toy. I was like, what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So just checking. (laughs) I think she likes it because her friend has one and they can tell it to play music and then they can dance. I don't know. I think that's what it is. But I, you know, so she sees her friends having this item and she wants it. And when I say no, there's significant pushback. And my answer to her is that, you know, in this family, we do things differently. Like We don't buy the next thing just because everybody has it. We don't keep up with the Joneses. We got off of that train. and then I back that up. So I don't sound like the meanest mom on the planet with a gentle reminder of the things that we do differently that she happens to love. Like we really prioritize experiences and specifically family vacations. We, and because we're not buying all the stuff, all the next it thing, because buying is always our last resort. Even if we need something, I'm going to borrow it from my neighbor, or I'm going to thrift it. Uh, buying new is always the last resort. And so because that is a central pillar of our household, we do have slightly more funds, funds, <laughs> like money to be able to go do fun stuff as yeah. a family. So it's, I guess I would just say like, it is a constant push and pull. Things are perfect over here just because I'm a podcast host about minimalism.
0: <laughs> there is no such thing as perfect and I'm a wannabe minimalist by no means am I, you know, on this uh idealist route myself. So, no, I think it's great. I love it. You have funds for fun. <laughs> I love it. And I think we do a lot of the same thing. Does it help like something I would think is like, well, okay, so she wants the Alexa. So we're thinking like let's figure out why she wants Alexa does it help then if you say, well, we have like in our house, we have Sono speakers. My husband is a huge audiophile. Like he loves music. He plays guitar. Like it's a big thing for him. So music is big in our house. And so for us, it's just more of, we don't, and we don't have the smart devices that are, you know, I've turned Siri off on my phone. Like, you know, I don't like the listening things either. So, you know, but we just can manually play something on it. So you know, I, we, I think are on that same page. And so it's just like, well, we can't just say, Hey, Alexa, play this thing, but we can go to our phone and type in what we want it to say or what we want it to play and then go ahead and play it. So yeah, maybe just a few of those workarounds is kind of how we do that in our house because they're going to be influenced by their friends. And so I appreciate that you've said that and kind of said like, that's okay. Like it's okay. I'm my job is to be the mom, right? My job is not to be the the
1: store clerk that gives them anything they want. So.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. What you said there really makes me think like what is the reason behind wanting this Alexa? It might be the music, but if I if I really dug in deep with her and I will cuz that's yeah. a great tip, but it might be that she wants to like have the fun house, the fun uh, house that all the friends want to go to. And and so I need to think about that a little bit more, but Yeah going back to what you said, like my job is not to be the fun mom and to like, my job is to create children. Yeah. with like solid values as they move on into the world. So I'm yeah. fine with not being the fun mom all the time. I'm oh, okay with that. Still be the fun mom sometimes like sometimes. that's okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so one thing we have in our house that has been really fun for us to do as a family is we have this scratch off book. It's called the fam. What is it? I don't know. It's like the family challenge. It's like the challenge book. There's like 50 challenges in it. You have to scratch them off and do it. I'll link to it in the show notes for anybody that's interested. Cause it is super fun. Like we've done things like made a giant life-size board game, right? Like, and we just cut things out of cardboard and made, you know, squares for things to do whatever. And like, it makes us do stuff like that. We had to like taste test weird fruit that we've never seen before. Like blind taste test. It makes us do weird things. So anyway, I think my kid kind of like my daughter's nine. She really digs stuff like that. So I'll send the awesome it's kind of a fun little thing for us to do as a family when we're kind of like, okay, what do we do? Same old, same old, but it gets us doing stuff together when we're not able to go on those vacations. Cause I'm a huge experience fan too. Like it's in the end, it will create so many more memories and just so much more pleasure in life, I think. And so you're doing a great job, mama. I keep it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. What's the hardest part then of being a minimalist mom for you? Is it that like where you have to say no?
1: I think the hardest part is trying to teach my children to value their stuff, like take care of their stuff. Uh, Don't lose your water bottle. While also at the same time trying to instill in them an understanding that stuff is just stuff. And yes. so it's that's a push and pull, like yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't. Know. Oh my gosh! Oh, I feel you on that. That <laughs> super resonated with me because yes, how do you how do you say in one breath, I want to take care of this stuff because it's important to be conscientious about what we're using and how we're living, and then on the other end, when they mess it up or they lose it or they scratch it or ding it or whatever, break it, you go it's just stuff. It's okay. <laughs> you know, right. That is really hard. Oh, I have to think about that one. Hey, All right. Well, yeah, if you that's come- a good one. <laughs> Ooh, I love this. This is a really fun conversation.
1: Okay. What's one of the easiest parts do you think? Oh my gosh. The easiest thing is that I don't have to clean my house like, <sighs> before people come over. Yeah. If people just pop in, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, is my house pristine? No. There's probably dust on the floor of the baseboards, but like, there's not stuff everywhere. Yeah. So that's really helpful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And that's a fine line for me too, right? Walking the line between comparison and like being comfortable in my own skin, right? Like, I don't want people to feel like, I, I, I always get nervous when I tell people the name of my podcast because I don't want them to not invite me over because they're embarrassed by their house. Or like have this giant expectation when they come over to my house. So I'm always kind of like, I'm on my journey because it's not, (laughs) it might not be what you expect. And trust me, I put blinders on when I go to people's houses and I don't judge. So (laughs) I, but I'm the same way. I feel exactly the same way that like, it's so nice to be able to have people just come on over and be like, yeah, come on in, whatever. It's fine. Like, it's great. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe it's just more of a comfort with how we feel in our home we feel centered. So it kind of works out.
1: Yeah. Like when I go to other people's homes, I'm not looking at their clutter. It doesn't, their clutter doesn't bother me. It doesn't even affect me. I don't even see it. Right. when I think it's because when it's in my home and I'm in charge of maintaining the home, it really bothers me and I see it all. So yeah. For anybody who's listening, who thinks like, oh, I kind of want to invite over the minimalist. Like <laughs> the minimalist isn't looking at your stuff. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. I'm not looking at your stuff.
0: Unless you want me to help you. And then I will help you look at your stuff. <laughs> But again, it's not judgment from my <laughs> end. So awesome. Thank you for clearing that up. Okay, you were talking about your pillar, right? One of your pillars being that buying new is your last resort. Do you have any other pillars or house rules that you guys follow? That, that's really
1: interesting. Yeah, so I have a bunch of them. Okay, what are some <laughs> of your <other this>, favorites? <laughs> how much time do you have? Another one would be like, of course, quality over quantity. And so this can be when you're decluttering you know, let's say you're in your kitchen and you have five spatulas, like keep the quality one. Quality would be one made of silicone, not plastic. When you're decluttering your children's blocks, these days kids have like 10 different sets of blocks. A block is a block. So when you're decluttering the blocks, choose the ones made of real wood and natural based dyes, not the plastic junky ones that are gonna break, right? So quality over quantity when you're decluttering, but also you know, when you do need to buy something and you've made the decision that you're buying it new. So we all need to buy stuff, even minimalists, even sustainable minimalists. And so I think that in 2022, companies just want their money, want our money. And so they will sell us a cheaply made product, that's also inexpensive because we're much more likely to open our wallets when the price tag is low. And I suggest to my listeners to always push back against that. I mean, funds, funds again, (laughs) like we all have, you know, like without getting too much into like the privilege conversation, if you do have privilege and you can wait to buy the better quality item with the longer warranty that pays its workers appropriately and doesn't own a sweatshop in Asia. Like if you have the ability, have the privilege to wait and buy quality over quantity, I suggest you do that. So that's another one. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. It's really good.
0: And I mean, I just look at like the evolution of Amazon and like, It is so hard to even if like I try not to shop on Amazon, first of all, but let's say I do like, you know, I need something, whatever. I'm looking on there. It is so hard to find something that you believe is going to be the right thing. And I just feel like I'm really nervous for the ramifications that that is going to have throughout all of the consumer goods and products. And, you know, it's like as soon as something is deemed Popular or sellable. It has a ton of knockoffs, and then you don't know who the right product is. And it's just really crazy. And all the reviews are wrong. And so I think that's partially why I've tried to pull out of buying so much, just because it is so daunting to even just buy one thing that you want when you're trying to do all this research for quality and all this stuff. And I'm kind of like, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I think I'd just rather not buy in the first place because it's just so difficult. So on the flip side, it's gotten me to spend less money because it's gotten more chaotic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. And, you know, I think we've gained a lot in terms of convenience with the rise of Amazon and online shopping. But we've lost an awful lot too. And another mm-hmm. pillar that we were discussing is to buy local whenever I can. Keep my money in my own community. Support a real person <laughs> instead yeah. of, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Bezos is a real person, but I, he doesn't need my support. My neighbors do. So when you do need to buy, like buy local, support a real person yeah. with, you know, who's putting trying to put real food on a real table. So there's another pillar for you mm-hmm. as well. I love it. That's a good one. I love it.
0: That's great. I'm going to have to, like, do you have all your pillars written down somewhere that we can all, that we can find them? Yeah. My book. (laughs) Okay, cool. There you go. There it is,
1: guys. It's right there. Okay. Perfect. So perfectly. I had to do it.
0: (laughs) Hey, that's all right. I love it.
1: Okay. Let's talk
0: about if you've ever strayed from your minimalism goals because I did, and that's kind of what led me into minimalism or like really more decluttering. Like I had said, we traveled, we sold 90% of everything we owned. And then when we settled back down in the States, we just, we weren't very conscientious about what we brought in. It just, we needed so much stuff. It was just kind of like, okay, yes, someone get this secondhand and that and whatever, you know? And it just, that's when it really got me. Like, that's when I was really like, okay, stuff is a problem and I've got to fix this. So how about you? Is there ever, was there ever a moment you've kind of strayed and what did you do to overcome it or kind of get back on track? Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks.
1: Feel
2: like you're the martyr in your family?
1: Yeah, I feel as though whenever I feel overwhelmed or unprepared, that's when I find myself really tempted to just stray and buy all the things. (laughs) A great example of this would be at the start of spring here in New England, you know, put away all the winter stuff and you take out the summer stuff. And so I took out my summer stuff and I'm not a very fashionable person to begin with, but I took out my summer stuff and I'm looking at it. I'm like, all these clothes are 15 years old. They don't fit a thir- they don't they fit technically but they are not what a 38-year-old woman should be wearing. Like the the sun's out, I need clothes. Like what do I do? And so ordinarily when I buy clothes, I shop I I vet fashion brands like very <laughs> very deeply because I am very concerned about the implications of fast fashion in particular. And so I just didn't feel like I had the time or the wherewithal because I was, you know, dressed poorly and I needed clothes. And so I, I think I went to the mall or something, or I, like I never go to the mall anymore. The mall grosses me out, but I went and I bought some stuff and I definitely strayed and I felt bad about it the next day. It's like, it's kind of like when you're on a diet and you're living, you know, according to your values, you're living the way you want to. You want to live, but then you get hangry and all bets are off. And then all of a sudden you get a Snickers bar. (laughs) It's like, I can't handle it. Yeah. And then you feel guilty after you eat that Snickers bar. So, but it's life. It's, it's human. It's humanity, right? For sure. Yeah. (laughs) And,
0: and I think, you know, if you have gone 15 years without (laughs) buying clothes, I think a few items you bought at the mall will have... (laughs) will be forgiven and will not offset the, the carbon problem in the world too much. So, but I, I get it. Right. I mean, I think we all, we hold ourselves to our higher standards. You know, we are our own worst critics and we hold ourselves to the highest standards. So, but I appreciate you sharing. And I mean, that's the thing we all, all are going to have those moments, but I love the insight of it's when you are overwhelmed. And when something unexpected comes up and then those are the moments that we really need to maybe then take that pause and say like, okay, I know this is when I'm going to be tempted and either allow yourself to be tempted and say, look, I do, I do so well 99% of the time, like this one time is going to be fine or okay. You know, uh, put up my guards. So thank you. Thank you for sharing and being real and being a human.
1: I appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, you're so welcome. Well, another one overwhelmed, yes, but also unprepared. Unprepared, yes. When my daughter um, decided she wanted to play t ball, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, okay, like we'll try a season, but I'm your mother, and secretly, I didn't think that she was going to love t ball. So I didn't want to buy her the gloves, I didn't want to buy her the cleats. Like I figured to myself, especially with the glove, like I could just borrow that from somebody in my community. I'm not going to spend it's not the money. It's not the monetary value of $25 or whatever for a glove. If she's only going to go to two practices and hate T-ball. And so I had it on my brain to get this glove, to reach out, get a glove, borrow a glove. But then before I knew it, the first practice was like two days away and I didn't do it. I didn't do my due diligence. I was unprepared. So I went to Amazon, bought the glove. Wouldn't you know, she hated T-ball and we still have the glove. So it happens life happens yeah. but life happens. The key the key is like forgiving yourself in those instances and knowing that life happens but also having cultivating an uh, an observant mindset in which you know whether it's happening all the time like too often or yeah. just once in a while. <laughs> right. And then
0: noticing like okay this is what happened I'm going to make a plan so next time next time I'm going to put it on my calendar so I know to you know, reach out and I'm going to have it remind, you know, like repeat every day until I do it. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. But I think you're right. Like give ourselves the grace. And if it happens all the time, then really start to make a plan for it. And if it just happens once in a while, then take a deep breath and say, I'm human and, and, and the world will move on and be fine. (laughs) Okay. So what, Tips do you have? Give us a few tips for those who want to dive into this lifestyle of sustainable minimalism. Where do you suggest people start? What's one of your first steps?
1: Well, start slow and start easy. I do think that a whole house declutter is a very important first step, but my platform and my message is unlike a lot of other <laughs> minimalist messages in that the goal is not the tidy house, the goal is not you know, the pristine Crate and Barrel catalog-esque home, that's a benefit. But the real purpose of decluttering is to have that aha moment, to distinguish between wants versus needs, Mm -hmm. to feel that kind of awkward, shameful feeling in your gut when you see all the stuff, literally see and hold the stuff that you spent your hard-earned money on and perhaps shouldn't have. So decluttering is not the end goal. Decluttering is step one. So if you're going to declutter, I'm sure you've covered this before, but a really easy non-emotional room, or I always say the linen closet, because there's nothing that's going to make you cry in the linen closet. But then if you're interested more on the eco-friendly side, I suggest you just start really darn slow and you pick one habit towards eco-friendliness that you feel as though you could reasonably incorporate into your life just one and knock it out of the park do it every single day until that habit is so well ingrained it's no it's not extra work it's not extra stress you just do it cuz you've always done it and then once you successfully incorporated that habit, you you choose another and then another and then another. And you keep reading, you keep reading the news, you keep <laughs> keeping abreast of what is going on with our planet, I think is a really powerful motivator. So a great first step towards eco-minimalism would be, you know, lose, using your dryer less, hanging up your clothes. We tend to think we have no time to do anything anymore, but it takes five minutes to hang up your clothes. Your clothes will last longer, like 15 years. Your your energy bill will go down because you're not using the dryer. Like there's just so many benefits. So that's like one super easy step, but I'll leave your listeners with that. <laughs> that's great.
0: I love easy steps. I'm all about easy. And- yes, I do, you know, talk about the tidy home. I don't want, you know, I don't want you to think you were like offending my (laughs) listeners or myself. You are not, but I agree that it does start with decluttering, but I also feel like it can be so daunting for people that if we do start with these small steps, we start with these small habits. We start with watching what we bring in. And I think that's very similar with your eco-friendliness. It helps, it helps you Kind of get out of that, just kind of the flow of what your regular routine is and what you are used to, you know, what you have been doing for so long, because it is so hard to change our habit. That if we can just take a minute to just tweak something a little bit and then really go all in on it, like you said, then it will have domino effects. And continue on and continue on. And you can then build on top of that. So I agree. I like that. So I am on board. Well, Stephanie, people are definitely going to want to find out more about you, talk about
1: your book. So tell us where they can find you and get all this stuff. So I blog at mamaminimalist.com. So my podcast is the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I release two episodes a week. I also, if you prefer your information in book form, I do have a book. It's called Sustainable Minimalism. You can find it wherever you get books. If your library doesn't have it, you can ask your library to stock it. And I so hope you come on over and join my little
0: community. It <laughs> sounds great. And I love that idea of asking your library to stock it. I hadn't actually thought about that. I love getting books in the library. I'm a huge fan of the Libby app where I can consume audiobooks and stuff, but good tip. We'll definitely make sure I'll check my library. And if it's not there, I will ask them to stock it. That's great. And then my final three questions. I absolutely love to end every interview with three rapid fire questions. And I've already talked to you about the first one. So I'm going to switch it up because normally it's what does minimalism mean to you, but we've already talked about that. So (laughs) the
1: first one now is what is one of your favorite nonfiction books? Great question. So this is one of my favorite books because nobody knows about it. And it's an amazing resource. It's called The Slightly Greener Method. It's written by Tanya Harris. I had her on my podcast. I read her book from cover to cover. It changed my life. It's all about what toxins you should be avoiding in your stuff when you buy stuff, in your food, and in your cleaning products. So if anybody is interested in those really deep, really murky topics, The Slightly Greener Method. (laughs)
0: I love that. And I absolutely love supporting smaller books that are absolutely life-changing. So fabulous on all fronts. And then second question is, what is one of your favorite pieces of advice that you'd like to share today that maybe
1: we didn't get to? All right. Here's a super secret that I've never told anybody, but here we go. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. That is what I tell myself whenever I am nervous or scared or anything. I fake it till I make it. Everybody is faking it till they make it and you can as well and anything in life that's scary just do it and fake it till you make it (laughs) oh
0: it's true it's true when we get in comparison mode why do we think that other people know what they're doing nobody knows what they're doing right like we're all just trying our best as we go along so so good this is really fun and the third one what
1: is making you happy right now what's making me happy right now is the fact that I'm home with the kids this summer. I'm getting to enjoy them. And this is what's actually making me happy. They're behaving like not 100%, but overall they're behaving and we three are enjoying our summer. So that's very happy. (laughs) So I had great. I had like nightmares about, you know, on the last day of school, the worst day of the year for parents, but. I had nightmares <laughs> leading up to the last day of school. Oh my gosh, so long summer! It's going to be miserable, but it's been lovely. <laughs> so, buddy, how long is your summer? Well, the kids' summer. So, I used to be a teacher, and my okay. summer was always like seven weeks long. My what? kindergartner, she's going yeah. into kindergartner, so she's going into kindergarten, so she's going a week later. Her oh. summer from the last day of preschool to the first day of kindergarten. I'm not joking, you is 12 and a half weeks long.
0: (laughs) Wow. Ours is 10. Ours is 10, which is actually, I can't believe we're only like, we only have three weeks left after this week. Like I'm shocked. So no,
1: we're going till like mid September over here, (laughs) buddy.
0: We start mid August. Uh, I really wish they'd go later in June and start. Late, like early September. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, this has been a delight. I have really enjoyed getting to chat with you and just kind of talk minimalism and geek out on the subject. I don't get to do that super often. So
1: thank you so much for joining me on the Wanna Be Minimalist Show. Thank you so much. And if you're ever in my neck of the woods, let's go out for coffee. I'd love to meet you in person. Absolutely. <laughs> me too. All right.
0: Cheers. See, wasn't I silly to be nervous? Stephanie's great and we truly clicked. I agree with her that minimalism is great for the environment and I am all for sustainability, but I am happy for whatever catalyst leads someone there in the first place. So if that's a home that's easier to clean, great. If that's so you can have people pop in whenever and stress less, awesome. If you're like me and function better when there is less clogging up your home and your mind, welcome aboard. And if the environment is what leads you here, well, pull up a chair. Everyone is welcome at the table. So now I want to know what's brought you to this episode and sparked your interest in minimalism. I would absolutely love to hear it. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. It will be so fun to hear about your journey. And thanks again to Stephanie for joining us on the show today and for sharing some great advice. Remember, you can grab all of the resources she discussed by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 121. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 121 to find out more about Stephanie, her podcast, and her book. And don't forget, you can also ask your local library to stock a copy of her book too if you like to get your books that way. As always, thank you for joining me too. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day and it helps me be able to book more guests on the show for you to discover and learn from. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will see you back here next week when I will be chatting with Hunter Clark Fields about parenting with mindfulness and raising good humans. It's another good one and you won't want to miss it. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show. Cheers.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
0: Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom.
2: Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs)